Hello and welcome to the Drunken Primarchs, where we discuss Games Workshop news over the past couple of weeks and work out where it's all going in the hobby. I'm Zan. I'm David. And I'm Craig. So lads, what have you been up to over the past couple of weeks? David, let's start with yourself, mate. So I've been uh, slowing down a little bit, but I've still managed to get the Triumph of St. Catherine painted and uh, Adrax Agatone, the captain of the Salamanders Third Company, they're both up and on our Instagram page. I'm also just now starting work on Ripper Jackson, the vet- new veteran sergeant limited edition character uh, for the Catacans. Cool. And just out of interest, if anybody wants to find our uh, Instagram, what's the what's the name on there? It's at drunk.primarks. Cool. Nice and simple. Keep it in the brand. <laughs> How about you, Craig? What have you been painting, mate? Sir, I have been finishing off the Gorgonauts after a bit of bother trying to get the airbrush to work, which would not recommend an airbrush to anyone, but there you go. Uh, so there's a few little bit more details on that one to finish. Aside from that, I started working on the Last Chances as well as painting Araman. Nice. Nice. And there's nothing wrong with an airbrush to work with, man. It's just getting used to using one. That's the thing. It's a learning curve that isn't a curve. It's a wall that you have to climb up. I think Dark Souls is an easier game than working with airbrushes. (laughs) (laughs) There is less of a a learning curve with the Dark Souls franchise than there is in using an, an airbrush. Fair enough. I mean, I don't have any issues with them anymore, but that's because I've been using one for a couple of years and I've finally learned how to how to look after it and treat it the way it should be. Like a fine woman on a good evening. Sorry, I slipped into fast show there for some reason. And silence. And Brilliant. crickets. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Okay, yep. well that joke's getting cut then. <laughs> I don't know, I think it's all the more funny when it's all silent. <laughs> no man, it just feels like like friends when they take out the laughter track like it's the saddest existence ever <laughs> so what have you been up to Zan? i well i've been working on converting lots of bits and bobs mainly from the indomitus box and i've been painting up ragnar blackmane who is also on the instagram in a, a work in progress form um and i'm i'm quite happy with how he's working out if i'm honest with you like i've used the airbrush to do the the base grey so i've done three greys on him and that saved me so much time in wet blending like what would have been an eight hour paint job just to get the greys right for the base coat i did in an hour just by getting the angles that's pretty good yeah Uh, and what what paints are you using are you still using citadel or have you moved over so i've been using a mixture for the airbrushing i've started using vallejo uh, just because they are a better consistency for the airbrush. There's not a level of watering down that you have to do. Even with the GW's airbrush range, they're still not in a state that you need them to be to be able to airbrush properly with them, uh, which is something that I've noticed with their entire range. And I wondered the other day why they don't just water their paints down so you have to use them for two thin coats like they suggest. But it's not my place to question it, really. It was just a thought um <laughs> and then the the uh, details on him i've been using standard games workshop paints just because they're they're there and easier for me to use and and water down slightly in the tubs 
But yeah, I'm, I'm happy with how he's turning out. And I've now got more conversions to do because I found out that the sergeants in the assault teams are standard in- intercessor sergeants so they can have all the upgrades. So watch out for thunder hammers and flamers and power swords and power, power fists. fists. Lightning oh, claws? Yeah. No lightning claws. There's no primaris with lightning claws yet. Ah, that's a shame. Yeah. So. The, uh, the extras were clearly added purely for the upgrade kits for Salamanders and Imperial Fists because they match those upgrade packs, which seemed like a bit of a, a cop-out when those rules appeared in the, the main Space Marine Codex. I kind of wished they'd appeared in the in the um, supplements, yeah. uh, the back end of 8th edition, just to give a bit more flavour to those specific armies and really give an incentive for buying those upgrade packs along with it. Um, I mean, it just doesn't feel as flavorful having an imperial, uh, having a an ultramarine with a uh, hand flamer. No, I can see where you're coming from that, but my retort is: if everybody can have them, people are then having to buy those packs to get those components because there's no other way to get them for Primaris uh, and not use the shoulder pads. Which again is a is a frustration for players. Yep, but it does look like those uh, Primaris intercessor assault squads are going to include the uh those upgrades per standard good i'm i'm glad to hear it so it's going to make i just like my mind has been blown at the moment we'll get onto the subjects in a minute that my mind has been blown by but my mind has been blown you can't leave that hanging there as a as a as a teaser let's let's jump straight into that then Oh, fair enough. Well, I mean, it's got to be the new Space Marine Codex and what they've said about Death Watch in regards to it, which is, I now have access to everything. Now, this is something that came out of um, of the most recent Weekender, which really, I guess, surprised me a little because it just makes Death Watch such a strong army to have. And I worry that some of that specialism that they had before that made you really have to focus is is lost if you don't have any compromises that you need to make. I I don't know if I would personally agree with that. Like, I can see why certain things would be restricted from them, but given the main part of their law was written in a, a roleplay book by a different company, and a lot of the equipment that the Space Marines have in general appears in that book for them, it, it struck me as odd that things were restricted. Like, I can, I can see why they wouldn't have things like Predators, for example, or wouldn't have had until this point. I think with the story moving on as well, it's brought in that situation where they're no longer just a force that does like your tomb scouting out for Necrons. They are now a force that has to go out and literally beat Necrons in the face constantly. So it would make sense to me that they've had this upgrade in their equipment. They now have everything that's there because of that. I suppose so, but from a gaming point of view, from a gaming standpoint, there's that extra flexibility that Deathwatch have, or at least assuming they're taking some of their box of tricks over from the... 8th edition codex into the 9th edition supplement mm. those box of tricks make them really adaptable to any opponent for example the uh, the stratagems that allow them to be effective versus any Xenos army and that I don't know if I'd say they're effective but yeah carry on <laughs> that for me is a little bit of a uh, I guess I'd say concern because 
it doesn't if you are any other chapter you need to specialize into a a you're pigeonholing yourself so salamanders which are my favorite of the of the chapters they really you're wanting to really emphasize your use of melter and flamer to lean into them and i don't think you've got that same restriction with with death watch especially given the special issue ammunition which is useful across all of the bolt gun ranges that suddenly gives them this extra dynamic but does it not make sense for death watch to be adaptable and have access to uh, a greater repertoire of of war gear after all the They've got to adapt on the fly against any Xenos or Chaos threat, haven't they? I absolutely oh, think... That's, I, that's I, their speciality. Sorry, David, go on, mate. No, no, no. I completely agree that it's important to uh, have them being adaptable against any threat. That's I, I completely agree that is part and parcel of it. However, the, the, the flaw here is that there's not a weakness from a mechanical point of view. So I agree completely from a from a plot point of view, uh, but from a an actual mechanics point of view, why would you ever pick AN Other Army over Death Watch, especially, let's say, on the tournament scene where you've got to take all comers, you don't know who you're going to go up against. Death Watch have all the adaptability, but none of the weaknesses. I understand where you're going from on that one. And I think the main reason you take a different force is because of the points cost for Death Watch. They are one of the more expensive points-based armies out there. Yes, fine, they can adapt to most threats, but they will easily get outnumbered. But won't they be the same cost as all of the Space Marines? So they're not at the why, moment. But basic. they will be in the new book, surely, because they're, all, they're getting a supplement. So they're using the core book... And that, unless that supplement says add X number of points per model, then they're going to be the same base cost. The core troops will be the same base cost, but again, the additional arms and that they can take will put their prices right up. So the way I see them working it is in the supplement, what they're either going to do is they're going to have the present Death Watch veteran squads as an option that's just within there obviously but i suspect that they're going to remove tactical squads because that's their equivalent so because there's nothing special about the primaris that they use i think they'll take out the the squad's shuffling ability for primaris and you will be stuck with just the prime primaris squads the tactical squads will be removed as with probably the stern guard veterans because they're essentially the same thing um, and they'll both be replaced with the Death Watch veteran squads from the supplement, the same as they've said that they're doing with the um, Space Wolf one. Because I've already said that the Space Wolf one, things like heavy weapon squads are going to be removed for is it the long fangs. Yeah. So I think they'll do something like that, but they're going to keep in that all the equipment is available and the armor types is the way I'd perceive it. So we'll finally have access to the Phobos armor, which we haven't had, which is the stealthy Marines. Let's, let's not give them to the stealthy army. Yeah. I guess we we have to wait and see what comes out of it. That's just my initial concern. Yeah. Um, The other flip side to it, mate, is that with their, their cool rule thing from what we've seen 
uh, if I'm remembering rightly, in the Codex, is there, you know, how they have the ability to pick a squad type and re-roll rune rolls of one against that squad type, like a, a lieutenant was there with them. That's going to be their army ability. Yes. So, I mean, it's not a weak thing, don't get me wrong, because it's really not a weak thing to have. But when you compare it with, what is it salamanders get? Melters, flamers, anything with fire gets to re-roll hits? They get wound rolls. They've got different buffs, but uh, Vulcan Hestan, the character, allows a chapter master ability, but only for melter and flamer. There are no, I things mean, that, the, the army ability, mate. The army-wide ability um, is they can re-roll one wound roll each time a unit fires. That's what that's being changed to in 9th edition. And they get to, I think it's they get to treat minus one AP weapons as zero AP weapons. Yeah. So, I mean, they've got that level of resilience there and they've got that re-rolling wounds which Death Watch won't have, and like White Scars have a stupid amount of attacks on the charge with bikes or fast yeah. attack options. So it, like, I think that compared to the others, it will actually turn out that they're fairly balanced. I yeah, I, I'm just I'm purely thinking because of that flexibility that they have. Mm. Like, if in a tournament you face up with someone who's going to be super good against bikes then white scars are going to get mangled. Whereas I think that Death Watch give you that ability to change your tactics on the fly on a per opponent basis. Yeah, yeah, I can I can see that. We'll have to wait and see. I, I don't think it's going to be as unbalanced with them as, as you're perhaps thinking, just because they, they don't have that backup of abilities like everybody else. And if you're I, going against a non-Xenos force, you base level space marines. With special issue ammunition. With special issue ammunition, but not if you want to do bolter drill. That's true. That is true. But yes, no, I'm like the start of this was literally. I'm just happy that I have access to the entire catalogue of Space Marine stuff. According <laughs> to them, you know, I can have Storm Ravens now. I can I can transport dreadnoughts across the battlefield on a a flying vessel. I get finally the Phobos armor stuff and everything that was released with Shadow Spear, which makes so much more sense to me than the not having it for them i'm just looking forward to that side of it to be honest with you i think that's fair and uh and i'm honestly happy for you (laughs) it it already sounds uh, it i'm convinced yeah (laughs) good 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 i'm glad that we're on the same page here so uh going further into the codexes then now that i've i've sat here waffling on going oh death watch death watch um (laughs) So the announcements of the new codexes, we've got a Xenos one, we've got an Imperium one, and we have a Chaos one. We also have three supplements, but I don't feel that they count towards that codex count, if I'm honest with you, because they are just making things work that originally did have separate codexes, which is the only reason they're being thrown in there. Um, And all of this is just up till the end of the year. And I disagree that supplements do not count as codexes. (laughs) Why? They still have the word Codex on them. They are still more forces for Imperium than there are for Xenos or Chaos. I would like to see them balance it out a lot more. But, At the moment, I see it as you have four 
Imperium Codexes, one Xenos and one Chaos, and that's it. But, Craig, you can buy the Necron Codex and play your Necron Army. You can buy your uh, Death Guard Codex and you can play your Death Guard Army. Just remind me, can you buy your Space Wolf Codex and play your Space Wolf Army? No, you I cannot. You I don't need, play Space Wolves. You need that Space Marine Codex. That Space Marine Codex is the base. That is right. the base that you need. I don't and, disagree with that at all. My, dis- my disagreement is that they have released a baseline codex and then three other supplements for it. They didn't need to do three. They could have done one or two and instead had another Xenos Force or another Chaos Force on but, there. But why I would disagree why, with that? And I'm yeah, sure Dark you... Angel players will disagree with you still. As Dark not Angels are chaos, all right? <laughs> Let, let's alienate that part of the fan base as it is. Importantly, why wait to release a codex if it's going to balance out three more armies? So three more lists which previously had full codexes. Like... There's no, you're leaving it back for no good reason. And the idea that Dark Angels are, are being delayed, in my mind, that's probably because they've got something interesting lined up to go with the Dark Angel Codex, be it the long-awaited lion returning to 40k. But Only if he's riding a Thunderhawk. Only if he's riding a Thunderhawk, indeed. But that is... Um, that is the only reason I can see to hold back a codex which is ready to go because I imagine there's lots ready to go. But if you're a Space Marine player, unless you're Dark Angels, you can play your army. If you're a Death Guard player, you can play your army. If you're a Necron player, you can play your army. That's one Imperium, one Xenos, one Chaos. But they still haven't released all the supplements again, have they, for Ninth Edition for all the Space Marine forces? That's the, because the other forces already have theirs. The 8th edition ones are being pulled over for now. It's literally the ones that they're doing are the ones that had codexes in 8th. They're the yeah. only ones that are getting supplements. And it's to pull them in line with all the other chapters. I mean, these are fair, well-constructed and fair points. I still disagree. <laughs> anyway... I mean, if they did a Chaos Codex and a Death Guard supplement, would you still feel the same about it? If they they restricted it to one Chaos, the main core Chaos book, and one supplement, then that would be fine. But then you're leaving armies out in the dust because you've got two armies that have got their own codexes. You are for now, but there are plenty of other forces that don't get the love from GW that could really do with having new codexes released as soon as possible. I, I don't think they're doing bad on this one, mate. I'm sorry. I'm going to wholly disagree with you. Like, there are Xenos forces out there that definitely need some love. Tyranids, I'm looking at you. I don't want to, but I am. But the, like, the, the general vibe that I'm getting is a good one from them. Uh, like, me. The, Xenos, the problem that I see is that from what I can work out, GWC, the Xenos, like they see the Imperium and like they see Chaos as one entity. So they do one force for it 
and then they move on and do things for the other ones and don't go back to them for some time instead of what they actually are, which is individual forces. That's just the vibe I get from it anyway. I I can fully see that the other forces need more love, but we're coming up to the end of the year. We're getting, like I say, the new Space Marine Codex, the new Necron Codex, and the Necron Force, which has had such a revamp. It's been ridiculous. It's amazing. Um, it, it almost sub-factions down now into multiple Necron forces like the Imperium, like Chaos. So it wouldn't surprise me if in the future we saw a supplement for the Necrons that was just destroyers. I want to jump in here, actually, Dan. And I Go think, for it, mate. I think that all this, this thing saying, oh, typical Space Marines are getting all the love, it's actually not true because... If Space Marines were getting all the love, they would be spaced out so that additional models could be released in that launch window. Yep. So the very fact that they're all being lumped up front tells us that, at least for this Codex release cycle, we ain't seeing any more Space Marines than we've already seen. Except, again, and I repeat, possibly for Dark Angels. That one's ringing a, a alarm bells for me that, that it's... It's a logical thing to release alongside Blood Angels. They haven't done so. What's being held back? But until we inevitably get the Space Marine version 2 for ninth, we are not going to see any new models, whereas we've seen from the Necron uh, Codex that they have put a lot of effort into maxing out what is available uh, for their uh, for their army this time around. And I suspect that we are going to see a similar pattern when we see many of the new releases. I would put one caveat on what you've said there, and that is going off the artwork and only the artwork of the Death Watch Codex, there will be a HQ model announced for them. A certain ultramarine chaplain who's going to be primarified. Are we talking about Cassius? We are indeed talking about Cassius. So sounding like a new model, is that what you're thinking? Yeah, because he's so, got that. He's got his Death Watch model already. He does um, as part of the squad, but the one that's on the front of the Codex is him. There's no doubt about it, and he's a Primaris version. So I suspect what we're going to see is what they've done for uh, Psychic Awakening, and there is going to be a HQ model released with the Death Watch Codex, just the Death Watch one, because you've had Mephiston already, and we've had Ragnar Blackmane. Yeah, but. I would say that we're going to get him in a Primaris format and he'll be the only model that gets released with the Codexes, or supplements, should I say, because the Codex is, again, a megaton of things released. do wonder if they, going from what David said about hold, like holding back the Dark Angel Codex, one model I'd like to see them redo as a Primaris is Asriel. Yep. Yeah. I, I think he could look amazing, re-sculpted, because I think he is quite an old model, but him and the Watcher in the Dark, redo those, and I think most Dark Angels players will be quite happy. I, I can see Dark Angels getting quite a lot of new models. Think Samael on a new one of those speeders. Think Azrael. And again, putting it out there for the 14th time this podcast, potential for the Lion to come back because we're, we've been a bit stagnant on the Primark front for a, for a three years. Quite, quite a while now. 
since eighth edition was released, we haven't received a new Primark model. What about uh, Os? Is it Osbadias, the sort of head chap uh, chaplain of um, Dark Angels? I don't think we're going to see any of this, guys. I think that literally the only reason we're not getting the Dark Angels one now is that it's just going to get released in January next year. Their release window is very tiny. October, we've got the codexes coming out. They're going to do another... So I'm expecting the Space Marine and Necrons to be released on the same day, along with most of their model ranges, which means we're going to hit November and they're going to do the three supplements and finish the month off with Death Guard and their new model range. And then December, they tend not to do anything release anyway. But again, I just want to just circle back to that when it is a supplement release, that release window is kind of ignored because in 8th edition when they released uh, Salamanders and Imperial Fists and Raven Guard, they came thick and fast. They released four yeah, Ultramarines uh, all the way through within the space of a week each. And doing Space Wolves, Blood Angels, Dark Angels and Death Watch is would have absolutely mapped to what we saw in eighth edition you know four supplements in very quick succession um straight after the codex and for me there has to be a fairly straightforward and obvious reason why that wouldn't and maybe a primaris find of ravenwing absolutely there is any number of things that this could be i just don't think it makes sense to me that um, it's nothing, that it's just release window, because I don't buy that because it doesn't fit with the history. The no, Raven uh, Wing, they're the, um, the bikers out there for Dark Angels. Yes. Yeah. I would just and expect a, um, an upgrade sprue. Yeah. Mm, I don't know, uh, given what they did with the last one for the, the speeders in particular. Because yeah, if... Gone through. I don't see a reason to remake a new, uh, new models just because of a different force. I expect to see like uh, White Scar specific upgrades, sprues, Dark Angel specific ones. What other forces tend to use like fast attack? Uh, that's pretty much it, to be honest with you. And I think we will see those sprues come out for sure. Yeah. Um, we've se- we saw them for. I mean, frankly a lot of the Primaris upgrade sprues already that exist are usable for, for the bikers, you know, the, the shoulder pad swap out and so on, and a little bit of iconography. Um, going back to something you touched on a, uh, a minute ago, the uh, Death Guard new models, obviously they have announced one of the models, but are you referring to the image leak that we saw, uh, Zan? Uh, the hiding in plain sight additional death guard uh, model I I saw the new Terminator character who I believe is going to be working with demon kin is going to be his speciality so he's going to be stood at the back buffing those beautiful little tanks that they have and the chimneys the chimneys are the one that I'm talking about yeah so they've not been officially announced, but it's looking like a piece of Death Guard terrain. Well, if you find the pictures, it looks very much like it could be in AOS as well. 
because it's kind of got that medievally feel to it with the, the gratings and stuff on there. So it wouldn't surprise me if it worked in both systems. Like a lot of chaos stuff. Yeah, the uh, Death Guard already have a piece of scenery that works in both systems. Is, is it, it the trees? Yes. The speculant Nalmor, but that's, that is very much for Nurgle demons. It's not rather than Death Guard. Yeah. Yeah. But it can still be used in a Death Guard army and still has, I think, some effects on them, or at least effects on the opponents. Yes. Yeah, I, I'm quite impressed with that model. He looks huge, uh, especially when you consider his gun is, um, is I believe, the one on the, what they called the little floaty ones. The photo, uh, bloat drones. Bloat drones, yeah. His weapon so, is one of their, their cannons. Uh, plague yeah. spew, I believe. Yeah, but it looks the same size as theirs, and it, it, from what people are trying to work out, it looks like he's on a sixty mil base, so he's going to be big. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So he looks quite good. I'm just, I'm not a, I'm not overly a fan of the Death Guard range. Like I'm not into that bloaty, deathy look, but it is a very nice model, and the way they've got the fly on the stomach that's bursting through the armor. I think is brilliant. Yeah, there's. I think that the the models that they're coming out with now are just absolutely stunning. The the level of detail, the quality of the plastic, it's just um, come on leaps and bounds, and yeah. actually ends up putting a lot of the old range to shame, uh, which is why there's so many calls for a whole new Imperial Guard range, whole new Eldar range, and so on. Yep. I, I do think orcs need to be near that top of the list. Orcs and uh, Tyranids. I would say um, orcs and Imperial Guard myself. The Imperial Guard are nice, but there, there should be some nice, like, call them Legion-specific um, sort of guardsmen. Because you've got the core ones, which can be used in most of them, but you've also got, like, the legacy ones like the Vostrians and Death Corps and Elysians. You know, it'd be nice to see a few of those come into plastic. That would be good. Yeah, uh, um, just like an upgrade spruce, so you can signify the commanders and stuff would be would be quite nice to see. I mean, the command, well, they don't really work as a command squad that much anymore. But uh, you know, they do have their additional sprues on there. But the sort of the core troops are very basic, and there's not much. Sorry, what I more been... meant was like the the space marine upgrade sprue, for example. So like a Vestroian one. So you yeah. get a couple with the hats in there and then the rest have got like the moustaches. So you can replace an entire squad's heads with the moustached ones. And then your sergeant's got like the proper Vestroian hat on the go with some of the bits and bobs on them to to, to identify them as well. That would it's, be nice to see. It's more what I meant. So I, yeah, yeah. I apologise for my, my phrasing on that. No, no worries. It would be nice to have like more multi-part kits for Imperial Guard because at the moment they're quite monopose. There's not much you can do with them. No. no. I mean, if the, the Cadian line of sergeants that's slowly growing to combat the Space Marine Lieutenant line uh, not Cadian, sorry, Katachan. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm fairly sure eventually we're going to be have a game, able to have a game where we have nothing but Katachan sergeants <laughs> versus nothing but Space Marine Lieutenants. The Katachan, um, they, their range is quite outdated as well they have some of the worst looking models i think for basic troops yeah 
I don't get why they keep teasing us with these special characters for them. Just release the damn range already. You've obviously I think, got it. If you yeah, do all these special characters. Coming. I think <laughs> it's clear that just like we saw the, the releases of the special, Sisters of Battle special characters, it seems to make sense to me that these are proof of concepts that the design team, of, team have come up with. Uh, yep. And there is a Catacan range waiting to drop at some point. I would be surprised if it wasn't. As long as there's a Catacan bar, uh, lesser barking toad on the sprue as well, I'm happy. <laughs> I'll get one just for the barking toad. <laughs> well, get a get a set of Ripodactyls of the Age of Sigma Seraphon range. They've uh, they've got one in there. Oh, I need a little froggy. <laughs> Frog is cool. Uh, so, but no, like, like I think we're going in the right direction with it all in general terms. Like the new codexes are looking good from what I've seen, and uh, the supplements are looking good. I, I I want to see Xenos get some love. I think everybody wants to see the Xenos Rangers get some love, and I think that it is going to come. Probably not in the same way that it has for Necrons, because I think Necrons got something special with being the essentially the release force for the the edition but i think that we will see something nice coming out for those other forces i hope we do anyway yeah well we've always got that herb <laughs> so. so the new uh, weapon stats yes i mean if there's something that shows that everybody's getting a new codex i think it's uh, changing the weapon stats for definite i've got to say one of the better weapon stats that i've seen as a change for is flamer weapons they're finally now useful against Overwatch units. Yep, that 12-inch range makes them damn useful. A 12-inch range on a hand flamer. That's that's one of the things that absolutely blows my mind. <laughs> yeah, I don't get why flamers were only 8-inch before. Because everybody could Overwatch before. And also, it was a representation for for the rough length of the, the flame template in 7th edition and earlier, trying to, to bring that through into the, into the new game. But I, I agree, it was an outdated mechanic, but I, I, do, I, I do still feel a little bit iffy that hand flamers have a 12-inch, the same range as a, um, as a heavy flamer. I, I get that, actually. I do agree with that. It's a little flamer. It, it should have a range, just nowhere near what a full-on flamer does, because... Why would you take a animal flamer if you can just have a hand flamer in? Because it's only D6 damage. Uh, sorry, D3. No, it's D6 shots, but it's only strength three. Yeah. Thank you. That's what but, I was trying to find in there. Thank you, mate. No, 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 it's all right. <laughs> but you can give it, that model another weapon. Yeah. Like a, a thunder hammer or something. And <laughs> exactly. Then you, could, then you can shoot with a hand flamer in combat. Yeah. But if you're going, if you've got a normal squad, then what's the point? If you've got a a squad that's an assault squad yes fully agree but like i still wouldn't give hand flamers to seraphins uh, i would now uh, we're talking the uh sisters of battle dropping in from the skies yes it now means that they can shoot twice on the turn that they land at least until they get a new codex so with the inferno pistols they can shoot once using the stratagem because it it adds six inches to the range of their weapons uh, but now it means that the hand flamers, because they're 12 inches but only need to arrive 9 inches away from the opponent, they can fire once at the end of the movement phase and once at the end of the shooting phase. So 
suddenly they're getting 8d6 auto-hitting shots on a unit of their choice. Don't see this as a battle getting a new codex this edition. Don't oh, they have to? They, they have to get one this edition because it's so out of date. However, um, I, do, I, I don't think it will be early in this edition, and it yep. means that removing those anomalies, like either they have to be FAQ'd out once the new weapons drop, or... Like I say, that is 8d6 auto-hitting shots on um, on a unit, which is murder. Can I just say, I find your comment about the codex being out of date. Wasn't it released in January this year? It yes, was. but there's so many changes that have been done to it, it's now out of date. This is what I said at the start about how we know all the forces are getting new codexes. Because they can't not update any codex for this edition now. Yeah, I just find it funny. It's one of the. It, in fact, it is the newest codex that's been released out, and it's out of date. Because <laughs> a new edi- a new edition has dropped. That's yeah, what I get invalidates it. it. I, um, I understand that. I just find it funny. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as a sister battle play, uh, play you, you wait years for a codex in an actual range, and then your codex that you spent. 25 quid on or 50 quid or whatever like eight months ago is now out of date compared to the ones that released a year and a half ago or two years ago yeah it's just it amuses me in fairness even those are out of date well they are yeah absolutely because they're old codexes but as I said we're talking about one of the newest codexes they've done and it's out of date (laughs) yeah I, I suspect that what we're going to see in regards to the codex releases is something similar to the release schedule that they had for 8th edition. So we're going to see Death Guard first, and then I think we'll see Grey Knights straight after them. Do you think that we will see a Space Marine and a Chaos Space Marine 2.0, or do you think... I suspect that they realised early on that they had misjudged their approach to the Space Marine and Chaos Space Marine Codex. And so 2.0 became inevitable, even though they didn't want to. I don't see them doing a 2.0 for them. I would certainly hope not. No, I I don't think they will. I think because of how they've redone the base level rules, I don't see them needing to do a 2.0 until they've released all the other codexes. At which point they'll start the cycle again at which point they'll do Space Marines as one of the first ones, because Space Marines is always one of the first ones, because they're the poster boys. I will say that despite all of their special rules, I don't think they're as overpowered as I thought they were going to be, because I've I've had a couple of games now, and we'll come on to that later, uh, but I... I haven't found them overpowered in those games. I think there's a definite advantage to first turn that wasn't there before, like a proper full-blown one. Like your opponent may as well lose a quarter of their points before you start the game and not bother putting it on the field. But that's something that, again, we can discuss later. Uh, in general terms, like I say, I, I think that they will... They won't bother doing a 2.0. They'll just... Once they finally replace the Terminators, uh, what else needed replacing? There was something else that still needed replacing. Tech Marines? Flyers. No, Tech Marines yeah. are coming out in this batch, Craig. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Flyers, Terminators, I think is about it, really. 
Yeah, there's some of the niche ones that never really took off, like Centurions, which I guess aggressors really are, are the the closest for that. But yeah, no, I, I think that they'll Flyers is the other big one. Of course, I do like the Centurion model, and I like the what they can do. They are very small mobile firing platform uh, platforms, and they have some amazing sort of detail on them. Mm. I must confess, I have a hatred for Centurions because I, before I left the hobby temporarily around 4th, 5th, I had a load of Terminators. The core of my Salamander army was these Terminators. Beefy, I had them with Thunder Hammers and Storm Shields. I had them ready to go. And then I came in, back into the hobby, and suddenly the new Centurions were on the block and Terminators had been nerfed. And if you wanted to be viable, you needed Centurions and you needed Grav Cannons, which again, the new weapon on the block. And I really, really resented that. I mean, when they did that, their range was very much that as an entire range. It was like, if you don't collect the new army, you're at a disadvantage. Yeah. And it was it was all very much pushed that way. It's nice to see they've balanced it out since then. Yes. Uh, you think? Yeah, I do. Because, like, I don't... I, mean, I don't the, have the urge to go out and buy the latest Primaris unit just because it's the latest Primaris unit. And if I don't buy it, I'm at a disadvantage for my army. But you did. At the beginning of the 8th edition, when they're releasing all those new Space Marine stuff... You felt the urge to keep buying new stuff. Uh, but you felt that the, was new, the urge because they were new. Yeah, Reavers was... have never been competitive. You'd buy them if you liked the aesthetic of it, but no one's ever said that they were competitive. And they've never buffed them to make them competitive. I think Reavers Whereas, are pretty good as they are. They don't make competitive lists. No, the the whole thing is their fear tactic, which it's going to be interesting to see what it now says in the new codex, given how morale and stuff now works. Yeah. But as an actual thing, like unless you're doing a strike force, which isn't really viable in the competitive scene anyway, not in the way that they would work within that, they're not a viable unit. They are a fluff unit. And again, in infiltrators and incursors, they're nice, flavorful units, but the mine for the, I believe it's the incursors that get the mine, is yeah. is useless. You literally just drive around it. You, you can pretty much ignore it. Maybe more useful now there's more terrain, but still, there is, they're a fluff unit, not a heavy-hitting unit. Unlike, as I say, going back to when grav guns were released, if you didn't have a grav gun, you didn't have a game. Yeah. Because Gravguns back in the day, when they released them, it was just, it was how to take out any armoured unit, essentially. Because they worked in the reverse of every other weapon, which was the stronger the opponent is, the more damage that they do. Yeah. I mean, in regards to the Incursor's Mines, you've clearly never played against me playing uh, World Eaters. I would just run towards it. (laughs) (laughs) That is very true. I think that says more about your playstyle, mate, than the usefulness of the mines, I'll be honest with you. I'm sorry. I'm an aggressive player. I like to run forward and hit things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You should put some ceramite around that. 
<laughs> no, no, that just gets in the way of hitting things. <laughs> so yeah, like the fact that it's now balanced to the point that I don't like the Necron Force, for example. Last time they released the new Necron Force, it completely flipped the meta of the game on its head because if you weren't Necrons, you weren't winning. That's what happened. Yeah. The fact this time that I don't have that urge to go out and buy all the Necron stuff so I can win games, I just look at it and go, that's a really nice model. It's probably shocking in-game, but that is a really nice model. Makes me want to buy it instead. Yeah, I think that's I think that's the approach now. Make stuff so cool that you want it, not so required that you need it. Yeah. And the, the fact that they used to... Uh, personal opinion um but they used to price things to be near the points if that makes sense like if it was worth the points it always cost you more than something that wasn't so worth the points yes uh that seemed to stop mid seventh edition to be fair yeah so it's nice to see that as a company they've sort of they've changed direction like every three years or so i'm noticing them do it because they did a massive push on the Primarchs and then they've stopped for three years and we've had nothing on them. We've we've said it a few times before on the podcast, which is that they, as a company, are definitely a lot more focused on, on us as players. Yeah. That, that is, you know, a big thing that means a lot. Yeah. No, definitely. Definitely does. So... I mean, going back to the new Death Guard stuff, Craig, are you going to get the new guy for your Death Guy Death Guard Force? I've not actually seen him, but I probably will. That being said, my Death Guard Force is done, and if he is more as a buffer demon kin, I have no demons in my Death Guard Force. So yes, you do. Ha ha ha! Fool of a tuck. I mean, the you do. the blight haulers. Yeah, three actually. Yeah, so blight and there haulers, you go. <laughs> blight drones. Blight throwers, is it? Is the other one? No. There's the, bloat the drones. mortar ones. The what, sorry? The mortar ones. Uh, they're plague burst crawlers. Plague burst crawlers. I believe yeah. all those get the benefit from them. They very well, may very well. Um, as I said, I've not seen the model itself. It sounds like it's an amazing model. And yes, I probably will buy it. Uh, depends on the points, cost of it, and, you know what his actual buffs are because there's many many death guard like elites and hq choices that i don't have because i don't mm. see the point in them like the um the talisman he's got some nice abilities don't see a use for having him fair enough yeah i think that's that what we're starting to see now is a bloat in the elite and hq options in a lot of armies necrons is a huge example along with Death Guard, in that the, the downside of all these wonderful new artists designing these fantastic new single models is that they're all HQ or Elite, and when you've only got a limited space for them, like, what, there's five or six new Necron Elite and or HQ units coming out um, on launch. You can't fit them in an army. I guess it means that you've got more choice, but on the reverse, what if you want them in your army? Very true. 
I mean, I do like the fact that they have got so many pure, as you say, for that choice basis. You can yeah. always manage to make a, is it a Vanguard detachment? I think that's mostly elites. Yeah. So you you can do that, or, you know, you might go, I want to try this player style in this battle. I want to try this one in this one. You know, there is that option, and they are nice as a basis for your own conversion for your own commander or your own special elite. I do like the choice, but there are some where it's just like, it's a nice model. Don't see the point in it. Yeah. There, see, there I, very much is a bit of that. I like sitting on all the different options. Like, I never use librarians, but for some reason, I've got four of them for my Death Watch. Yeah, Just so yeah, I've got the option there. Like, I can, I fully see what you're saying. And I think, David, we've discussed in the past that, in regards to Necrons at least, that perhaps, like, the different lords that they're going to release turn the options that are in, say, like the Destroyer range into troops. Like yeah. with the into core. Dark Angels. Or, yeah. Or at least turn them into core now that new core mechanic is out. Well, they would I think most of them will have that anyway. Because it's under it's not down to if they're elite or troops. It's down to whether they're essentially infantry or vehicle or character. It it's my working out of it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Because things like Terminators are still going to be core. So they get the benefits from your Space Marine characters, but a chaplain isn't because he's a chaplain. Yeah. <laughs> and a Justicar isn't because he's a smaller chaplain. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd like this to see uh, a model for the Silent King for Necrons. Are you actually having a joke right now? No. You know that they're releasing a model for the Silent King for Necrons, yes? Like I'm he's... A- the I'm biggest a bit release. Out of <laughs> okay, he's the biggest release for the range. Uh, he is huge. He has a floating throne with two obelisks that come with him, and two guys stood on there. Which, if I can ever remember the name of the two Muppets that sit in the balcony on the Muppet Show, they are called that in my head. Like, as far as I'm concerned, he tells everybody to do something, and they laugh at him. Like that's their job. Um, yeah, it's an amazing model, mate. I've not seen it. I don't watch the uh, Twitch streams. I've sent you a picture with it in. Have you? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, is that what the communication device is for? (laughs) Yeah, you know that thing called Facebook Messenger that we use, or there's the ones like WhatsApp, for example. Um, Yeah, we can send images in those that normally looked at. Oh, wow. That's, That's magical. What else can you do with this? <laughs> Record the uh, the podcast that these people are listening to right now. Sounds like heresy to me. It all sounds like heresy to you, mate. <laughs> so, on that note, how have people's heretical first battles in ninth edition been going? Before we move on to that, shall we actually finish off going through the weapons that we kind of moved away from after going, Flamers! <laughs> no! <laughs> okay. Oh yeah, that was a subject, wasn't it? Yes, it was. It was, and then we moved back on to codexes. <laughs> I'm glad that we can focus on a single thing. Is <laughs> I mean, I don't think there's been any other sort of weapons that have had such a big like update to them, as in how they will actually work in the game. Outers. 
Oh, now that the motor motor is heavy too. Yeah. Uh, I, I, so again, this is one of those that has had long conversations about, but we'll do it again. We'll do it again. Damn it. Um, so the points cost for a multi melter, because it's now two shots at range 24. Yeah. Um, with its new rule where essentially it can get damage eight at half range on both shots. I don't think it's going to be more than 25 points. Okay. Because Here's where I need to cut in less, on a, your nonsense. I need to cut in on your nonsense hold, right hold now. Hold on. Let me, let me just, let me just. No, 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 no. You're talking nonsense. Sir. Le, le, no, let, let me just say why I think this, because at the end of the day, until you're at half range, it's a half range minus one strength las cannon. Right. But that is not what we are comparing to. The multi melter as it stands right now, which is a single shot and at half range is 2d6 and pick the highest. That's current. Are we agreed? Yep. Yep. That is 20 points. That is a fact. The average output at half range for that multi melter is 4.5 damage. It gets one shot, and the the average of 2d6 picking the highest is 4.5. So that is the current output. That is 20 points. However, (laughs) (laughs) however, the output of a new multi-melter, the average output is in fact um, five and a half per shot, which is 11 damage. Now, yes, we are assuming that every shot hits, which is, you know, not going to happen. We, we're aware of this. That's true. But we are... We need to make the assumption that both are hitting just for the balance because one shot would hit with the with the old school. So we've gone from four and a half damage output to eleven damage output, just like for like at half range. None of the range has changed, none of that half distance has changed. The the output has more than doubled, but you're only adding twenty-five percent onto the price. How can you how can you say that? Because you're not increasing the range. Your effective range is still 12 inches for it. I think that the general price increase of the models holding it means that if you put it any higher than 25, nobody is going to want to use it. But if you you price it at 25 points, every man and their dog is going to get one because you can... Let's take Retributors for Sisters of Battle. They can move and shoot with impunity. They, on the smaller board sizes, once you've moved six inches towards the opponent from the edge of your board, you are within 12 inches of a target. But not every army has the capability or the units to take multiple multi-melters. Exactly. So how unbalanced does that become? That I, as as a Space Marine player and as a Sisters Battle player, can take what is going to be outputting 11 damage per turn per model on basically anything 
because it's strength eight versus the toughness of eights in the game, and it's an AP of minus four, that suddenly I can fill units with four of those things, so eight shots with an output of 11 damage per thing. So we're talking, you know, 88 damage there. So with this 88 damage, I can just turn and go delete yeah, but that's going to be a very niche force. You're going to be anti-vehicle and you're going to have some very, very expensive but, units. But I'm putting out eight shots. That's going to get rid of any 10-man unit straight away. No, it's not. You've only okay. got eight shots. Okay. Plus the one which is going to be lost to morale because I've taken out eight and then the other one might survive. But I'm sorry, I'm not going to be too scared about that. I mean, I'd give you Death Guard and they're discussing resilient roles. Yeah, Chance okay. that you're not taking them out. Okay, that's true. So of those of those eight shots going through, say, I, I know that I'm assuming auto-hitting, but my point is that that points cost for that unit, with them only being 25 points each, that's 100 points plus the, whoever's the base points cost of whoever's holding them. That's less than a tank. Yeah, but and, a tank is a lot more resilient, as it were, because those four men are just men. They have toughness four. And yeah, but they can hide easier. They can pop out of a vehicle. They can do anything. So shove him in a rhino, hop out on your turn, delete, job done. Yeah, but then they're vulnerable on the next turn. Plus, if they are, but they've already it, made their points, because with that 88 damage, you're going to take out a Castellan Knight. And because I'm only paying 100 points for those weapons, so 100 points plus... Uh, so I can get, for about 150 points, a unit of uh, four multi-melters in a sister battle unit. Let's go with them as my baseline. They can sit in a rhino, okay, spend another 100 points kicking that out and what have you. They hop out, and then they immediately, I just turn and point them wherever I want, and that 150 points will erase whatever I want it to in that turn. I can even put two um, Armorium Cherubs and get an extra four shots. So suddenly that's two, eight, ten shots, doing an average of 11 damage each. And so, what, ten ta 110 damage what what do you want me to remove from your force? Oh, how much was that Bane Blade? Take that off, please. That is um, 500 points gone for my 150-point unit. I think you're making a lot of assumptions here. I think the the way you need to cut it is that you do the 50%. 50% will miss. 50% won't wound. Okay, but you can't do 50% because they're hitting on three pluses. So let, let's do that then as well. Let's math hammer <laughs> that very quickly. So if we get 11 shots, uh, two-thirds of that is seven and a third shots hitting. Wounding, let's be generous. Let's say we're shooting at something with toughness eight. So we're dividing that by two. So that's four shots um, going through and times that by 5.5. If we're doing it... So we're going to assume then that we're firing against something like what a land raider. 
firing at a land raider yet. So That's you've got your six plus save. Six plus save? Six plus save. Only if you're um watch uh watch McCollum's. No, Custodes. Land, no, land, land raiders don't two plus save. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh so let's go with that. Uh otherwise you're then assuming invulnerable save, which yes, you are looking at custodes. Although I don't think it goes over to their vehicles. So that's three times 5.5. So that's 16.8 damage. So that is a land raider deleted. And that's, yeah. not, that's not taking into account any, uh, any buffs nearby, uh, like re-rolling ones or anything like that. So even on the laws of averages with a six plus save on a land raider, remembering that repulsors, which are now more common, have a three plus, so wouldn't get a save at all. You are pointing at basically anything and, and you're deleting it. And that's for 150 points. So I like I'm saying the player is arguing on this one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying that they need to be basically double the points. If they need to be 40 points, which then throws up its own problems of the power rating of a unit. But I can see multi-melters having to be nerfed at some point in the not too distant future, unless they get a massive point hike, because as you say, I'm a Salamanders player and I get melter buffs and I'm going to have devastator squads with four multi-melters in, and they are going to pop out of all kinds of things and do all kinds of shenanigans. Yep. And I'm (laughs) going to get as many, uh, artillery units as I can Basilisk is going to take out your multi-melter squad without you being able to see it my multi-melter squad will be inside a transport vehicle which will be hidden behind cover and make its way towards you do not worry Basilisk doesn't need line of sight well that's true Um, it's also strength 9 that's true the Basilisk can take out the Rhino and uh, my troops will come out of the destroyed rhino and move towards you and shoot you. The basilisk is going to be at the back of the board, screened by other <laughs> remember, units. Board not, not size is it. smaller now. Board size has been shrunk in ninth edition. There are so, going to be guardsmen in, in the way, throwing their bodies <laughs> on the line to save that basilisk, and there's going to be a wyvern right next to the basilisk to shoot your your squad. Check we, and we shall see. We shall see. I mean, I just say Corvus Black Stars with Las Cannons. I don't care where you are on the board. I'm getting to you and shooting you with Las Cannons. <laughs> well, speaking about flyers, yes, that's it. The uh, Vulture gunship is going to find your, your five-man squad and it is going to shoot it with 43 shots. <laughs> yeah, uh, but, my, Corvus, my Corvus Black Star gets over there. Las Cannons, the crap out of it after having dropped off the troops who then just blow the crap out of the squad before they can do anything I mean yes but because as you've said the multi-melters are only uh, 25 points I don't care it was a cheap squad the rest of my stuff is uh, destroying you while you're concentrating on five troops that cost 150 points and you've just sunk 500 points of targeting power and screening units at trying to avoid it because it is that scary now. And that is the point. I mean, it might be a cheap unit, but it's an expense, um, expensive hit to your morale as your 
amazing tactics just fall away as that one squad that he put so much hope into have been destroyed. Also, no, it's, rule it's of David three, we're sir. talking to. Rule He'll have three. three units on, mate. <laughs> yeah. That's only 450 points there, guys. And then I've still got another however many points to sink in other stuff. Yeah, but you say that, but there's a little bit of you that'll still cry as like, <laughs> as one of those squads is taken if, out. If that if that's the only thing that will give you any form of satisfaction, let's pretend that yes, that is that will destroy me inside. Does that make you feel better now, Craig? Slightly yes. <laughs> to be fair, there's already a guard squad that does this job anyway. It's a ninety-five point specialist squad that drops in with normal melters. You teleport them in next to any tank and just delete the tank. Yes, yeah, this is true. This they've is gone true. up in efficiency, but they've only got the one shot now. They, they've still only got the one shot. That, for me, is the biggest buff to the multi-melter is that second shot. Yeah. Um, I, I, it just... It, so, it makes them a very scary unit. Moving away from the flame weapons before Salamander just gets too excited uh, heavy <laughs> bolters are noticed as well damage two yes uh, damage two strength staying the same three shots staying the same and range staying the same which is quite nice to see um, but it's nice to see that they're now a little bit more deadly than I mean it's a heavy bolter you know it should be doing more than one damage yeah this is uh, the response to the power creep that we've seen in terms of uh, the rank and file troops with space marines going Standard Space Marines going to two wounds. It just means a Heavy Bolter can now take out a Space Marine with one shot, which does feel right. Yeah. yeah. Not just Space Marines, but Chaos Ones as well are also up into those two wounds, which, as a game mechanic, feels appropriate. Because why would you have a Space Marine, this augmented human, have the same wounds as a Guardsman? Totally. I think that... That's what they're try- starting to do, it seems. I've seen a lot of complaint about power creep on forums and things. And I don't have that issue because as long as power creep is balanced through the use of like rebalancing the points or, or the structure of the army, it doesn't matter if we're seeing power creep. That It's about the overall balance and health of the game. And... I've no issue with it. They're, they're, they're changing the feel of the game, but I like it. As, as we'll come on to, you know, the games I've played in ninth edition do feel different to the games I've played in eighth, despite there being, on the surface, fewer differences. Yeah. So my sort of wonder on where this is heading is, are guards going to become a proper horde army? Are you going to have to specialise in either mechanised or troop for them to work properly? And are they then going to become one of the most expensive armies in the game to do? Well, typically it always was one or the other. You either focus on infantry or you focus on mechanised. That usually is how they're played. Not how I play them, because I like to have a nice balanced force that can do little bits here and there. Might not be the most optimal force, but it's a fun force to use, Mm. which is the main part of it. But yeah, it used to be... You know, you either have a horde of like ten squads of guardsmen, or you had like bane blades, loads of lemur, you know, about six or seven lemur russes. 
I actually think the 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 reverse though, Zan, you're saying that is it going to push them you to having to do one or the other? I think not. I think it's going to make it more viable to do both because if we do see point creep for the Space Marines based on the fact that they've got two wounds, it means that you can fit more guard into your army within that same points level. So yes, you will be by, able to have... By cost, what I more meant was the actual cost of the squads. Yeah, in financially. Yes. Yeah. Yes, in... in whatever currency your country happens to use, uh, <laughs> pound sterling for us, um, if you couldn't tell from the accents. <laughs> I think that... I think you've got a fair point, which is that, yes, I think financially it is be- going to become more... It will become more difficult to buy some forces. However, the point rises mean... The reverse, it now costs less money financially to buy a 1,000-point army than it did in 8th edition. So I think that we're actually staying roughly on a par. Okay. Yeah, that's a fair point. I mean, for most armies, two starter boxes is about your 1,000 points. That is, what, 110, 120 quid? Yeah, I, I... I'm more thinking to have them be actually efficient in what they need to do. With Space Marines having two wounds, uh, lads rifles aren't going to be taking them down as easily, which they shouldn't. But does that then mean that you're going to need to double your squads to have the same efficiency with guardsmen? And that does that then push the price up to something that would be considered unreasonable for new players? I don't think so. As a guard player, I don't think that's going to be the case. Well, yes, fine. As you say, Laz guns should not have an easy time against power-armored space marines. I don't think it will become any more expensive because the, the majority of the, the firepower in a guard army is just in their tanks. And most armies will run tanks anyway, or you have chimeras, which have heavy bolters on or heavy flamers. So you've still got that firepower there, regardless of generally how you play your guards army. Okay. I think that um, it's going to be interesting to see what buffs you end up with, and I suspect you'll see more use of things like first rank, second rank, to double the output of your guardsmen to, to just eke every yeah to eke every last possible ounce of effectiveness from your army uh so i do think that we might start to see tactical use of them where you'll you'll be using all your you'll focus all your squads on one unit of space marines but you know, they were pinging off the armour, to be fair, even on one wound. You know, the the saves made were, were greater, and they've had this issue with intercessors all the way through 8th edition as well. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, I mean, I, the sort of guardsmen regimental orders, um, they are quite powerful as, as they are, and they are very much capable of taking down these you know, space marines, as you say, if you use them well. I think we'll start seeing more like company commanders on the yeah. field uh, to be able to utilise those voice of commands. And think of the rules that they could have for core. So you could, now that this core mechanic is coming in, 
they could find ways to massively buff rank and file troops in an imperial guard army without that accidental buffing of of the veteran squads or even the lemon rust battle tanks themselves through that mechanic yeah I would like to see like lieutenant models for Imperial Guard because they would have lieutenants. You know, you got your commander, you got your squad sergeants. You'd have a lieutenant, but they don't seem to have anything like that for Imperial Guard that I recall. I think they will be coming because we're getting a lieutenant for Sisters of Battle. Yeah, because she's already been announced, and it's uh, speculated that most of the other models that were shown in that same range, apart from the ones which are redo of present characters are considered that they're going to be lieutenants for different forces, essentially. Yeah. I was going to say, you could argue, though, that Imperial Guard already have the platoon commander, which fulfills that same niche of an elite choice, which is offering some kind of commandability. True, but he doesn't give any sort of re-rolls like uh, a normal lieutenant does. And I think that's something that they do miss out on. But... On the flip side, with the voice of commands, do we need one? It, it, it all depends on how they balance it against the double wound space marines, because if, if they do start becoming a, a problem in that guardsmen can't take them down because of their poor shooting, then having something to re-roll, you know, ones to wound or ones to hit would make them a lot more viable as a beginner's arm, as it were. Yeah, most definitely. But regardless, Imperial Guard will always be one of my favourite forces. They're just, they're so fun to play. I don't win with them, but they're so fun. The, the, the sort of tactics they get is just amazing. They're quite, um, quite flexible in what they can do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I must admit, if I ever had the money, the time and the inclination, I would do a Death Corps Krieg army. Like, as a guardsman armies go, that's the one that I look at and go, that would be amazing to do, because just, like, muddy up all the bases properly, trench warfare, give them that proper look. I'd love to do that, but it's money and time and stuff I don't have. The Steel Legion are a bit like that as well. They've got the sort of gas mask um, type look. Yeah. I just, I just really like it. <laughs> yeah, then I'd have to paint faces. <laughs> there is Always that. a bonus to do space marines, isn't it? So you could, you'd have to put any effort into faces. Whereas with Imperial Guard, pretty much everyone's got a face that you've got to paint. Yeah, I don't know. I, I've been including more helmetless heads in the stuff that I've been building recently because I've been getting better at doing my faces, but I always come back to that half an inch of ceramite is better than nothing. <laughs> so the there's one last piece of equipment that I want to discuss because I'm curious on interactions from it. And that's the Storm Shield's new rules. Mm-hmm. Which we've already seen in action on the new Primaris models anyway. So it's got the 4 plus invulnerable save and then adds one to the armor saving throw, which means if you stick it on a Terminator or a Custody then I believe it, it doesn't reduce the save down to a 1 plus save because that's impossible, but does add to the amount of minus AP needed to get through to damage the unit. Yes. 
is my understanding of it. Which makes sense for your Terminators because they are big, bulky, ceramite walkers, I guess, is the best I can give you. So it does make sense. They would be a little bit more difficult to kill. I have said it before and I will say it again. They used to be three plus on 2D6. <laughs> Look, now that's the where that's where a Terminator should be. That is when they were tactical dreadnought armor, and they were essentially a walking, living dreadnought. Now yes. they've been superseded, even in model size, by their Primaris brethren. However, they will always be those tract- tactical dreadnoughts. And as far as I'm concerned, that they should be able to have a one plus save and Lasgun should be able to do nothing against them. But yes, that natural one always fails. Yes, but isn't this back in the time where you had to pray each time you tried to deep strike some Terminators onto the field that they did actually hit the field and not the edge of the board and go off? Uh, yes, but that's all fun and games, isn't it? I do wonder what uh, the newest editions would be like if they still had that role. <laughs> Play Horace Heresy. Yeah. They've Play Horace Heresy role. on 8.5 edition. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry, 7.5 edition, yeah. isn't it? I would love to play a Horace Heresy. Sadly, I don't have the money for it and I don't know anyone else that plays it. But uh, I would can love I suggest to... Custodes? <laughs> <laughs> Custodes is one of those forces that has intrigued me, but it just, yeah, a bit meh for me. Too much gold. Eh, only if you paint them the standard way. There's plenty of other ways to paint them. In the war-torn far future, people forget what camouflage is and just paint themselves as brightly as possible. I mean, technically, if you're fighting in Imperial Palace, it is camouflage. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you're not wrong. (laughs) But no, so like the fact that going back to Melters... Yes. Even with those, it's still a 5-plus save against them. It's not even 6-plus, it's 5-plus. In fairness, they've got a 5-plus invulnerable. Yeah. I mean, it'd be 4-plus. But the fact that it, it even oh. down to like those weapons, it reduces it down so much. Yeah. It's just like, I think that it's going to give them that level of what they need to keep competitive with the Primaris in the forces. Totally. And the, the fact that it looks like in Deathwatch, Primaris can take Storm Shields as well, and yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. Moving on, yeah, I just I thought it was an interesting way to work out that interaction of it. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that it's sounding more and more like um, in other rules now because you're capped at a plus one or a minus one to hit, but. If you're at minus one for trying to shoot at a flyer, but you're at a plus two for other rules, you end up as a net plus one. It seems to me that 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 makes sense with the Storm Shield rule, that it goes down to a one plus save, but a nat one always fails. So you're building from one plus to get them higher. Yeah, Uh, I think that's logical sense, and I guess they'll clarify it. Um, if needs be, but it makes sense. It fits fluff-wise for um, for a two-plus save model. I'm all in there. Yep, yep. That with a thunder hammer that'll do me good. <laughs> so straight up, I believe they're straight up three damage still. 
Uh, oh, interestingly, anything that was D3 damage, they seem to have just changed to flat out 2 damage. Power Fist, for example. I, I suspect that's part and parcel of trying to speed up the game. Yeah. Uh, I wonder whether they're going to do that for things like the Battle Cannon, the Basilisk, and so on, uh, which are D3 damage. I suspect that they will. They'll just take it as the middle of the range and just just go with it. Like I, I think it's quite a nice move, to be honest with you. Um, I think it is for D3. I think D6, I'm glad that they are still there as a variable. Um, but they're doing more and more to make them more reliable. So with the blast rule, uh, um, not with the blast rules, with various rules being a damage roll of a one or two you, is a three. Um, yeah. Or with the melter being plus two, which essentially means you're, you're always going to be in half range causing at least three damage. Yeah. Um, just makes those D6 damage weapons a little more reliable. See, it wouldn't surprise me if either later on this edition or next edition, if the D3 goes off smoothly, they just change anything that's D6 to 4 damage. Instead of having that baseline that it has to do 3, they just flat out remove the roll of the extra dice and just call it 4 damage. I'm not sure. and I'm, I'm just not sure that they'll do that because you're removing some of the the joy of that that look element when you're rolling a yeah. d3 and you wind up with a one or two or a three there's barely anything to it but when you've got that critical damage roll and you need a six to make it explode and that delight when you get it and the reverse when you only need a two or more but you roll a one i think there's something about that which is so much more heightened on a d6 versus a d3 and I think would be missed if you could just flat out calculate that gets through right it's dead because I've I've gone through with four no fair enough fair enough what do you think Craig I've got no opinions on this one to be perfectly honest <laughs> okay fair enough fair enough so we've discussed the rules and we've discussed the new codexes and the changes and all that sort of good stuff and we've had a couple of games now haven't we which is something that we've been missing for the last what, six months so uh, david you and i we've played with space marines and necrons craig we played with space marines well i say space marines death watch if we're going to be specific because we have to be with space marines uh death watch and orcs and then i've had a couple of other games outside of you guys that have been also, Death Watch and Orcs. So, I mean, I'll ask you guys first. Uh, how did you find the games? Outside of playing against you, I've also played a game which was Sisters of Battle versus Chaos Knights and Dark Eldar. And I've also played a game which was Orcs versus Thousand Sons. Something you alluded to earlier was that you felt that first turn was even more impactful than before. I couldn't agree, disagree more. I didn't find that at all. I felt that first turn felt less of an issue than it did in 8th edition. Um, I found that the rules uh, that have changed around combat mean that there's a new tactical element to 
charging order and fighting order, which was much more easily overlooked in 8th edition. Uh, I learned that the Triumph of, Triumph of St. Catherine is a beast, an absolute unit, which is which just doesn't get shifted and it buffs stuff around it uh, and is really good fun to play. Uh, I learned that looters are devastating. Necron destroyers live up to the name on the side of the tin and that um, sister battle exorcists are as hit and miss as they used to be but are just as fun and multi-melter retributors almost took out a uh, a chaos knight in one volley of shooting so Damn. much and that's before they go to being two shots not that we'll revisit that too much um <laughs> i thought we were i thought that's where this conversation was heading <laughs> in the in the three-way battle uh we played using the age of sigma initiative where We'd roll off at the start of each battle round to see who had initiative just to make it even. And that worked pretty well, actually. That was seemed like a pretty fair way of doing it for multiplayer games because it's not explicitly in the new 40K rulebook and it's still something that I think's missing. But I really enjoyed all, all of the games that I've played. Yeah, I mean, I know our ones, I, I found them pretty close, the one that, that you and me played. Yeah, um, I I do feel that first turn does give an advantage. I'm afraid, but it depends on how it's used. I think if I'd gone for a bolter force rather than a indomitus force, because that's the best way I can put it. It was mainly stuff from the indomitus box, apart from mm. a squad. If I'd gone pure bolter, going down range. I think you would feel differently about that first turn in regards to our, our game, at least. But because just to counter that quickly, just to counter that quickly, yeah. in the new rule set, there's explicitly a lot more terrain that you should have. And so you can be out of sight a lot more easily than, or at least obscured in cover and more mitigating things than you did in 8th edition. That's very true, and all we had was the red rocket, wasn't it, as the scenery for ourselves? Which was relatively fine, because neither of us were massively shooter forces. I mean, I say, I did have the Necron Warriors, but they're not... It's not quite the same. No. No. You know, that game that we had, if I hadn't have taken out your leader, you would have won it anyway. It's only the fact that I did that and then you couldn't get to mine that gave me the win. It was it was a close game, definitely. Mm. It was good fun. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Massively enjoyable. So how about uh, how about you, Craig? I've only had the game against yourselves, Dan, and I've got to say I loved the new edition. The close combat aspect of it is just the best it's ever been. I no longer feel a disadvantage having a combat orientated force. Good. Does that mean that you're going to try your world eaters again? They may very well see the battlefield again. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I still to... think they're gone. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, I want to second that, Craig. I think that the, the new fighting rules 
are subtly different and the changes make a huge difference to enjoyability and viability. But sorry for cutting in. No worries. The fact that we don't have to suffer through every squad firing an overwatch means that, for example, the 20-man squad of Con Berserkers I have, they have a good chance of getting in and actually having like most of the force left. That's what I like about it. Totally. It's just, yeah, I, I like that. It's a very, I was about to say a small change, but it's actually quite a large change that they got. I mean, of course, there are some armies where Overwatch isn't going to be so much of a problem, uh, Tau being one of them. I would imagine there's going to be a few forces that have that sort of ability to Overwatch for multiple units, you know, going on for free without paying the command points for it. But yeah, purely having combat-oriented force in this edition, no one needs to feel left out of it. You have got a good chance of winning against a firing line as you as ever, really. But yeah, it was. Um, I found that the the battle that me and Zan had was quite a close one. Um, Spirits, well, Death Watch won against Zeno's force, of course. I didn't really play it properly as I should have, I guess, because I ended up taking a, um, an orc truck and it was a small board. There wasn't particularly any reason to do so. So I think I should have taken more uh, more troops if I had. But as it is, it's a great addition. Agreed. Um, one thing about the changes in combat that I think is possibly the biggest thing is that where consolidation happens in the phase. So after you fought, if you wipe the unit out, you consolidate immediately instead of after every unit has fought, which means that you can accidentally end up being in a situation where you could be fought back against. So it's no longer as, uh, as clear-cut a decision as it was in 8th edition where you just consolidate into the next unit because they couldn't fight you and there was no concerns, now the opponent can act, choose to activate the, the unit you uh, consolidate into, which just, again, adds that little bit more tactical choice. Yeah, it does. And I would hope to see a lot more combat-oriented armies going about and more combat units, which I guess is where the new um, Primaris Assault Squad have come in. You know, they weren't ready for 8th edition I think purely based on the I mean there's obviously other aspects but based on the actual rules there they just won't have seen any sort of action whereas in this edition go for your combat squads they will do absolutely fine in, at the moment and I think the changes to morale mean that you no longer need to go with minimum sized units it's no longer a, a nerf to have a really large squad um, so those going back, talking about those devastator squads again, there's no reason not to go for a 10 man devastator squad to have bodies to soak up those shots to protect your heavy weapons because, you know, the chance of the entire rest of the squad running away after a, after a bad round of shooting isn't there anymore. And likewise with fighting, the chance of just disintegrating after a bad round of fighting Again, just isn't there anymore. Yeah, I mean, with the Devastator squad, the Chaos equivalent, the Havoc squads, again, yeah. 
you can have another five guys on that, and they can soak up that that morale uh, morale damage. Uh, when mid and I use my orcs, out of the ten man squad that I had, one orc managed to stand his ground at the end of it. It it wasn't a case of they all ran away. One stood its ground. The shooty one managed to do it, and the shooty one actually managed to hit quite a bit, which I'm amazed at for an orc. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it made me actually think about making a, a squad of shooters, but that would be ridiculous for an orc force. <laughs> Don't diss the looters. They, uh, if you get a squad of ten and then ripping off thirty strength seven shots, uh, which uh, which uh, give another uh, shot on the roll of a six, you can end up generating some real damage there. Looters are on my list of things to get. Although initially with the force, I was going with more a mechanized one or mech organized. Um, <laughs> but looters, I just, I think they're, they're going to be the way to go. Still not happy about the fact that they move and have heavy weapons and then they hit on a six. But as you say, with Daka, 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 they're going to generate more hits anyway. So it sort of balances out if they manage to hit. Yep. And with them being death skulls, because uh, you, we both have death skulls as our chosen clan. Um, there's all the bonuses that come along with that, such as the re-rolls that they get in the shooting phase and uh, the opportunity to have that invulnerable save as well. I can't wait for a game against your Death Skulls force. It's going to be interesting <laughs> how we've both built up the armies. And yeah, I think we both just looked at the plan tactics and went, that's the best one. The other yeah. ones are fairly good, but they are just... I expect them to be nerfed a little bit because they get six plus invulnerables. Reroll one dice per phase per armor, uh, per unit. Per unit, yeah. I think it's just it's an incredibly powerful force, and I expect some sort of nerf on it. But as it is, as it stands at the moment, I think they're the best ones. I don't think anything compares. No. Um, I mean, even having Goths and Glasgow, I don't think really works, especially now that. Gazgul is a is a multiplier for any army, and can be taken in in a Deathskull's army with Makari without any, without losing your Deathskull's bonuses. Yeah, I mean, Gazgul is is a nice nice model. He's quite expensive points wise, isn't he? I think he went up to three hundred twenty from three hundred in the uh, latest chapter approved. It's that that mechanic where he can only lose four wounds per phase. It's gives you an almost cast iron guarantee he's going to make it through a full turn so you will get use of him as a player but also I think that uh, the downside is that you sink your shooting into him until you've chipped off those four wounds and then you can pick other targets so you as a as the opposing player you're not just sinking everything into him in the hope but, but. he will he will only just make it through most turns because it's four pair phase. You have the psycho phase, the shooting phase, and the fight phase. Each one of those can take off four wounds, and I think he has 12. He does, yeah. but let's face it, there's not many armies that are going to, maybe Thousand Suns, but there aren't many armies that are going to do that four damage to him in the psychic phase and still have the right units to also do another four damage in the shooting phase and also be confident of doing another four damage in the fight phase. 
the only army that I can see being comfortable to do that every game would potentially be Thousand Sons. I think there are many forces. Yeah, I was about to say Grey Knights would. I don't know if Grey. I don't know if Grey Knights have the strength of weaponry to do it reliably. Whereas uh, Thousand Sons have some really nasty flamers. They've got um, more stuff that I can see doing it more reliably than Grey Knights. I mean, I will. I will disagree with the reliability there, but Grey Knights do have the option. Most Space yeah. Marine forces have it. My Death Guard force, I mean, that has seven psychers in it. I could quite happily do it. Um, you know, but I just, I, I like the model, but it's too expensive points-wise. It's pretty much about a third of your force, depending on what you do. A quarter of your force, and it's just, it's too much. Especially when you have the Orc War boss that I took against Zan who managed to annihilate the new Indominus captain in one round of combat. Yes. Yeah. But he was kitted out pretty much to be as good as I could get, and he is 90 points. If Gasgall did not have that maximum of four wounds per turn, uh, well, per phase thing, that Orc Warboss could quite easily just kill him in one, one round of combat. That's a very fair point. I think that the, the biggest boss... Um, is it a warlord trait or a stratagem? It's a strat, isn't it? It is a stratagem from yeah. Sav with a Beast, and it is cost one command point. You that, get a four plus invulnerable save, and an extra wound and an extra attack. Yeah, that is absolutely amazing. Um, it's it is one of the single best stratagems, and uh, I used it in my game with orcs as well. Did you also couple it with Dakila Claw? The uh, sort of relic power car. I didn't. I uh, linked it with the super cyborg body simply because my my war boss is in mega armor and mega armor orc boss is in legends only now. Ah. So I treat it as a cyborg body to be what you see is what you get. Right, fair enough. Because I think you missed out on that because the biggest boss. Brutal but cunning, yeah. And the, the killer claw are just the best combination for an orc war boss. You get to re-roll any failed hits, re-roll any failed wounds, and he has five attacks. The killer claw is a flat three damage. That is fifteen damage. It is going to kill pretty much any character or destroy pretty much any vehicle. Yeah. To be fair, even Andy used that combination in the games that me and him played. That was what he did with his war boss. It absolutely makes sense. It's the one that I saw that was best. Like I say, if I wasn't restricted by model, I would probably go with it. But yeah, it's... Orcs, orcs were solid. I think that I overestimated how good orc boys would be. Mine just got battered away. I charged into some uh, Scarab Terminators and they were absolutely obliterated in, in a turn. I mean, uh, and yeah, Scarab Terminators. I, I don't know why you did that. Because <laughs> I overestimated how good they'd be. I think what I could have done with was having um, an, a knob in there because that extra strength and being able to give them a power claw 
would mean that they were protected by the boys while being able to dish enough damage. It's that lack of AP that is really killing it. So if I've got an Orc Knob in there with, what is it, three, four attacks uh, with a Power Claw, uh, decent strength, I actually think that often with my troops, I've not bothered upgrading many things in, in the units, regardless of what army I play. I've just run them as vanilla as possible to save money and put the money into elite's choices. Whereas I think this with orc boys having that knob in there as a uh, as a linchpin to to dish the main damage against high armor things would have been the better way to go yeah i can't disagree with that um as i say i've not played many um many games with the orcs but yeah they they need that um that orc knob in there just to sort of give them that little bit of extra punch so zan what did what do you think of the new indomitus models how do how do they play on the on the battlefield for you most games they played all right to be fair the new blade guard are ridiculous uh, you charge them in that yeah they're amazing uh three wounds with storm shields so they're on two plus saves four plus invulnerable the ability to do their attacks with power swords getting the plus one for being a space marine there's not much that stands up against them, to be fair. Once you send three of them in, I can't wait to get a squad of six. Yeah. Because that's just going to be... I, I don't know what they're going to be transported in, but I'll find some way to get them across uh, the battlefield in reasonable pointage. Um, the captain, I found the same problem I have with most Primaris captains, which is, while he's a really nice model... He doesn't stand up to beating. I've only had one situation where he's gone into combat with a another HQ choice from a different army and has come out on top. And that was against the Necron Overlord? It was against the Necron Overlord, yes. After they both spent a turn swinging at each other and missing. Quite. to look fancy. But yeah, every other time he's just fallen to the first flurry of blows to come at him. Uh, once was my own fault because I charged him in through heroic intervention, forgetting that they could then be attached, attacked during doing heroic interventions now, which they couldn't in eighth. So that's a nice change and makes you think about what you're going to do with your, your commanding model. The assault intercessors, very nice, a massive amount of attacks. A 10 man squad is going to be brutal when I finally get a chance to use one because each guy is what four attacks. On the charge, being yeah. charged. Big. Yeah, it's like you're talking 41 attacks. Yeah. Um, which is which is really good, especially now that Astartes Chainswords are minus one AP. Yeah. Yeah, that minus one AP with the extra attack from it is it's so nice. Like normally I'd go, oh, I'll just take them with power swords if I can, but I'd actually take the chain swords over them now. My To get oh, the extra attack. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. for the extra attack. The minus one AP and extra attack means most things are struggling against them. I can't yeah. think of much that's on the same same scale as them that would be able to withstand it. Not even like Vanguard veterans or Raptors, is it? For uh Chaos. Uh, uh, yes. The Raptors are the um, the sort of fast attack ones yeah. for them. More. So I guess they are sort of in line with the Salt Marines, but the old standard Salt Marines, not the new ones. 
Yeah, I mean, the only difference is they haven't got the 12-inch movement, which I can see why they don't, to be honest with you. Although, the thought of a squad of assault marines with two wounds and starties, chainsaws and jump packs is scaring me right now because they will be getting them in the new codex. Yep. That's going to make them more brutal, especially if you do it with Vanguard veterans. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So they're, they're new. Uh, they're, they're new and they're good. I haven't had a chance to use my chaplains yet on my ancient. The ancient works the same as any of them. But yeah, just a car as well. So overall, I've found the games really, really fun. Like I've never known who's won until the end of the game. Uh, like that one against yourself, David, that I mentioned before, I thought you'd got the game in the bag. I thought I'd lost. And it wasn't until we stood and worked out the points. And like I say, because I killed your leader yeah. and you hadn't killed mine, that was the only thing that flipped it in my my direction. Craig, the one that I had against you, again, you know, that went right down to the wire, didn't it? It did. It flipped between us quite nicely, which I think is one of the better games that we've had because usually it's been a matter of You've dominated the game pretty much throughout. This one flipped between us to who was winning, who wasn't, and it was so close. I didn't have much left on the field at, by the end of it. No, no. And my ones against Andy have been the same. You know, we, we, we've we had, I think, three games now. And yeah, it's it's been very much, uh, I'm not sure who's won this. Let's, let's sit and work it out. Uh, the end of term five so I'm I'm definitely happy with the new rule set I think it does what it was meant to do which is revamp the game in a better way a more combat orientated way I'm actually considering using my Slanesh in 40k now nice yeah they really have done well as is as you both said it's no longer a case of right at the beginning of the game this guy's it's a matter of, well, we don't know who has one because it's such a close. It just keep, tables keep turning. And yeah. as I think it's one of the, it's the best edition they've done so far that I've played myself personally. Yeah. I yeah. can't, I can't see them doing much to move on to the new edition, to be honest with you. I know we've just had this one, <laughs> but you always got to keep in mind that a new edition is how they keep it all fresh and everything and I can't see unless they reverted back to a 7th edition rule style I can't see much more they could do to improve this one I I think that's a very bold statement like when 8th dropped it was the best rule set that we'd had and as the game moved on and as rule books codexes were released and as expansions were released, those inconsistencies started to build up. And that's, if we were still on 8th edition indexes, we wouldn't ever need to, to have moved on to 9th edition. It's the codexes that are introducing a lot of the, the problems. And I think we're going to see the same in 9th edition as rules lawyers and as that guy finds the exploits that... that for want of a better phrase, break this edition. I uh, don't think we will because of how much they've done to weed out the exploits in this edition. I they've, disagree with you, Zan. I agree with David. Um, I think there will be people who will find those exploits and how to get the maximum amount of damage. David, Morty Melters. <laughs> you know, he's, he's already done it. He's already found that way around it. It hasn't taken long. 
Remember, they had to release a day one FAQ to fix some loopholes in 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 this edition and yes. clarifications on things like um, the deep strike versus different heights and terrain and where models are to get shorter charge distances and so on. So basically, if- it's written by humans who aren't infallible, and as complexities build up, issues will and. I, th- I think that what I do agree with is I think that we're going to see evolution rather than revolution. So from third edition through to seventh edition, it was this gradual evolution of building up the rule set. And I think that that's what we're going to see. We saw it from eighth into ninth, and I see, think we'll see it from ninth into tenth. But hopefully many years down the line. Yeah. Yeah, I I. I would like to see just like I say. I think the core basis of this is the strongest that they've done, and I can see them just doing general updates in the form of FAQs and almost just patching what's not working or what's causing problems, and having a strong Though, baseline just means that, that they will in do of that itself eventually. If you patch something enough, that's a new addition because they'll have to release a rule book that embodies all of that because just as we saw towards the end of 8th, that grumbling of to play one game of Warhammer, I need a rule book, a codex, a supplement, uh, Vigilus, the Psychic Awakening, and my 17 retort, FAQ sheets. My retort to that is a new codex that encompasses all those new rules. But I it doesn't it, encompass it's the FAQs. Well, no, it does, but for that army, if if the FAQs are kept to a minimum for this edition and it's the codexes that are causing the problems, then I think they will just do new codexes and FAQ the codexes and keep the core rules as an entity as of its own thing. But I can't see as they why. release new codexes, they'll realise that there were things that could be better in the core rulebook to facilitate the rule they want to do in the codex. And therefore, they will FAQ the main rule book, and then in the next edition. So, all these match play rules that were FAQ'd during eighth edition made it into the core rule book for ninth edition. Talking about everything from the um, rule of three to the number of detachments to the the way that uh, reinforcements work that you can't bring troops on first turn. All of those things weren't in 8th edition book, came in in the FAQs, and now are baked into the 9th edition because as you try and facilitate these new special rules for these specialist armies that they've not written yet, the problems with the core rule set will crop up that they haven't been able to think about, and that's why I, I think they'll definitely have to bring out an updated rule book and then that gives them two choices. They either say, this is ninth edition revised, or they say, this is 10th edition, and put a massive X on and do a massive launch party and get loads of new people in. So they'll 100% do a new edition when it's time for that. Fair enough. Sorry, I'm off my high horse now. <laughs> That's right. Can you put it back in the stable when you're done? Yeah, totally. Good. Good man. Good man. No, I mean that's fair enough. I can I can see that, but I don't know. 
I think we're not going to know how much is broken until they've done their first tournament. Yes. Because it's always once that first tournament goes off that they make it routers. You just have to look at Aeronautica, for example. Because two days after the first tournament, they produced the errata for it. Yeah, they did. I mean, yeah, I mean, the tournament had its own problems, to be perfectly honest, but... Hey, come on, you came away with it with the best award there. Oh, the uh, light, yeah, the Imperial Lightning. Oh, no, no, your, your trophy for being Scrap Boss. Oh, yeah, for being the worst Hulk player there because <laughs> I got the most destroyed. <laughs> I killed one entire tournament and I was happy by that. Although, as I say, I still got a trophy, I still got a cardboard plane, I was still a winner in my own books. <laughs> but yeah the, the tournament had its own issues I don't think any player there was particularly happy with how it was run but I think that could be something else for another podcast but still really good tournament it's still a great system and it's what made me want to do walks yeah well I think we've discussed a fair amount there the new game and, and everything that's coming out for it so I think that's time to, to call an ending on this drinking session so I've been Zan I've been David. And I've been Craig. We've been drinking. You've been listening. Have a good day. This was a Drunken Primark production. Opening and closing music was provided by Punk Rock Opera. Thank you for listening.